This episode is brought to you by Allstate. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings vary and are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Blue Wire Podcast. What is happening? Welcome to All Eyes on Cleveland. Thursday nights on the OBR Twitch and YouTube channel. My name is Brad Ward. I am your host. Glad to have you with me. Uh, make sure you hit the subscribe button if you're on uh, YouTube and hit that uh, the like button there and uh, atone, atone for your sins. Uh, and uh, yeah, so do that while you're here. We have a wonderful guest tonight. Uh, he has uh, gone above and beyond the call of duty to stay up very late and join me on my show <clears throat> the one and only jack duffin uh jack is the resident capologist at the obr you are all familiar with his work and uh yeah he, he stayed what time is it there jack happy friday that's what time is we, ha- we've just got is midnight. it that late is it that late what time is it yeah we're one minute past midnight over here and uh oh my gosh i am so sorry but thank you. But thank you. You stayed up past midnight. Happy Friday to you. Happy Thursday to everybody else joining us here as uh, we're making this a uh, a uh, very cool Thursday night ritual as they haven't kicked me off the uh, the air yet here, uh, Jack. That's good. They're letting me stay on Thursday night. So um, glad to have you with me. Uh, thanks for staying up so late. Uh, we've got lots to talk about. Uh, you have been grinding out tremendous content over at the OBR, and you should all go check it out and read it. Uh, me and you did a free agent piece. So basically every free agent out there uh, that you could look at, we did each position, wish list, breaking them all down. Um, now, and very cool that everybody should go check out, it's probably the coolest thing got got to be going in Cleveland is uh, with Jack's expertise on the um, salary cap, Jake's expertise on film, and Cody's expertise on uh, the uh, analytics, you guys are putting together a probability number for each free agent. So starting at defensive tackle, uh, each player will have a actual probability score of them landing in Cleveland. Is that did I describe that properly? Yeah, so it's combining everything because um, you're going to have different dynamics in any war room, um, and I think it gives that real feel that you've got someone who watches the tape going, "Oh yeah, th- this is here." The analytics team going, "Yeah, we we think this is a good player." The the numbers back up what they're seeing on film, and then the capologist goes, "No, we're not spending twenty million on that bloke," and then. Uh, they get there. So it's it's really bringing together the different parts because it's not just a coach watches a bit of film and then goes, yep, go sign that guy. Don't care what it is, just get it done. There is so much different pieces that come together in an NFL team. So really trying to give you that all-round feel rather than just one element of it of going, hey, the tape's great, just sign him. It's a little bit more complicated than that in the real world. 
Absolutely, for sure it is. Uh, so, you know, there's a number of things here. Let's start and get this stuff out of the way first. So the Browns making some news finally, you know, uh, with some coaching hires, right? So uh, Ephraim Banda uh, from Utah State, I think I have that right, is going to come in and coach the safeties. And uh, Bubba Ventrone is coming in to coach the special teams. The uh, Browns finally fired uh, Mike Prefer. And I wish Mike all the all the best. You know, I'm sure he'll find some work somewhere. So I don't mean to be cruel about clapping, but let's be honest, special teams have not been good. Uh, Mike has not been very good. So uh, glad to see that. And they get a very good one. Well, at least, uh, you know, according to PFF, his grades four out of five years in the top five, Bubba Ventron played for the Browns. Uh, was the captain of special teams coming in. What do you think of the hire? You like it? And uh, thoughts on on that hire and anything you know about Ephraim, if you want to talk about him too. Yeah, uh, as far as I'm aware, Brad, you were pretty on the fence of what to do with Mike Prefer. <laughs> <laughs> you, you were like a, a, a young boy on Christmas Day when the news came out. I, I was. I was very excited to see that they had shown him the door. And it's nothing personal. It's just, you know, they've kind of sucked on special teams. And, uh, you know, we got we to do better here. We're striving to do better. So the key thing I want to see from Bubba is just no more running out the end zone on kickoffs. It's the one thing that I just scream at angrily um, well before my time writing anything Browns, really. Um, I did a piece for Football Outsiders. This has got to be, what, 2019? And I sat there and went through every single kickoff return out the end zone and just worked out, did they get to the 25-yard line or not? Because obviously, before that, it made sense to run it out. Because yeah. when it was 20 yards, it was like, you're generally going to go over that mark. But it always felt to me sitting there watching it going, they never seem to get over 25 yards and they still keep running it out. So I thought, hey, it's got to be me missing something. I'm only really watching one team and a few other games. I'm not watching every single game. So it was, I sat down and watched it and it makes zero sense. Um, there is no logic to this. I get it. If, and I didn't include like into the final two minutes of a half because, hey, if you've got 40 seconds left on the clock, why not try and do something crazy? Yeah. It makes sense. But... Yeah, it's nuts how all this money spent on analytics and we're still doing stupid stuff like running the ball out of the end zone. Take the free 25 yards, get there, and then trust Deshaun Watson, trust Nick Chubb. Whatever's going to help move the chains, do that rather than setting them back five yards, etc. short. And we're talking minus 30 yards across the season. So it's, it's not a massive thing, but that, that's a couple of drives that, hey, it, it might have been a field goal, suddenly you're two, three yards further away. Why not make life easier for Cade York? I'm with you. Um, and I'm excited about Bubba Ventron. So I actually have a, a video here. Okay, it's very short. Um, I know a guy. His name is uh, Laurent. I want to do this properly here, okay? His name is Lawrence Owen, and he hosts a Believe in Colts. It's Ble the Believe Podcast Network. Believe in Colts podcast and he actually has uh, your guy, uh, one of free agents we talked about, Rodney McLeod, is actually in this video. Um, he has a couple players from the Colts, including including Rodney, who Jack likes a lot in free agency. 
in this video and they're talking about Bubba here for like two minutes and he said I could use it on the air so I uh, got the okay so Ian doesn't freak out on me about copyright stuff we got the we got the go-ahead here so we're gonna go ahead and uh, show this video real quickly it, it's worthwhile it's just a couple couple minutes long uh, let's see if I can do this uh, in the right manner of, uh, of things here uh, while you're just doing that great point in the comments um, I don't want to butcher your name Pat Shea yeah um, but penalties as well the penalties for running the ball out the end zone so many penalties running the ball out that's all factored in because that's lost yards you can't just go oh it's unfair they got penalty life's unfair that, that, that's on whoever the special teams coordinator is so um, certainly a factor Hundred percent. All right. Uh, I totally agree. Too many penalties. And in, in, uh, yeah, here we go. All right. Here's the video. Uh, apparently, no audio uh, on my video there, so that's not fun. Uh, I apologize. Uh, and uh, so th there it is. Uh, I apologize about that. I I don't understand why the audio wasn't coming through. I could hear it. I don't. Could you hear it? No, I didn't have anything in mind. Nothing there, huh? All right, so uh, we'll get rid of that. Uh, I apologize uh, for, uh, you know, uh, trying to uh, get that to work. It, it, hey, it was, uh, hey, I, I didn't break the stream. We're here. We're here. You, we're good. We're good. Relax. It's okay. Freaking out uh, a little bit, but uh, um, okay. Yeah, act it out. I wish. Uh, anyways, it was all glowing, uh, glowing stuff from uh, the video, and uh, all of them, Rodney included, uh, and uh, the other player. I don't know the other player there, Jack. Did you see the name at the bottom? Powers? Um, I'm rubbish at recommending, uh, recognizing players, so uh, don't ask me. Yeah, so uh, they um, really were just talking up uh, about... Um, how uh, uh, excellent of a coach that Bubba was and how sad they were to see him go to Cleveland. Now, Rodney McLeod's a free agent, right? You would love to have him here in Cleveland. Um, so I want to start with you, Jack. Is Let's start with questions. You know, uh, I uh, will bring this up. Hopefully this won't ruin the uh, uh, stream either, but uh, we'll get our slides going here. But, um, you know... You always have uh, this at your pin. So if you follow Jack on, on Twitter, um, at Jack Duffin, he always has the the Browns' current cap, you know, uh, standing, right, where they currently are uh, pinned in his uh, Twitter. So this is, uh, you know, kind of the um the current standing right and i kind of wanted to just point at the restructures do you have a feeling about like what uh restructure we'll see first so in terms of timing they're gonna sit on watson for a little while and the reason why they'll wait on watson is if lamar jackson gets tagged yes first then his tag's going to be higher because it's the average of the top five base salaries, effectively. So if they restructure Watson, well, his base salary drops. So suddenly then Lamar Jackson's um, contract comes down. We're only talking about $2 million maybe on the tag. So it's not life-changing amounts in terms of how much a budget in the NFL. But, hey, I would rather take $2 million out of the Ravens' budget than uh, allow them to keep that. 
And it also impacts any trade value potentially they could get where teams like, well, now costs a little bit more. Um, let, let's have a little uh, dig at the Ravens. Who, who's not up for that? So that could be one that they're, they're going to play the game and wait on. Um, Garrett is the other one that I feel really, really confident um, is definitely going to happen. I'd, I'd put a 99% chance on Watson. I'd put a 90% chance on Garrett. He's going to be here long term. So it makes sense to do the deals. And that's why you don't have a Chubb or a Cooper here. They're only under contract for two more years. And so if you're restructuring those deals, potentially in year three, you're paying a massive bill. Whereas you can push this right out and it is really, really comfortable and easy to do because the Garrett's got, what, another four years off the top of my head on his contract. And then the next two that make the most sense is Teller and Batonio. Um, So I'd expect this all to be done by the time free agency begins. Um, they've obviously got to get under the um, mandated cap, um, which they're nine, uh, 13.4 million over at the moment, and that's got to be done just by the new league year. Yeah, sure. So here's a good question from somebody in the chat, right? And I think a lot of people worry about this. I, I don't worry about it, and you can kind of explain, but like, that really that when it when it gets you i think uh as far as void years right it, you know when you're restructuring these contracts you're really tacking on void years and you're you're paying you know the player gets the same amount of money just all up front and you're putting in dummy years or void years four or five years to to break out that bonus and that ends up saving you a good amount of cap space in the current year i think when it gets you as you mentioned with chubb and whoever else you said that are closer to the end of your deal is when the deal runs out and the void years roll up on you right and that's when people get in trouble um so you kind of have to be careful of like hey you know, is this restructure gonna, you know, exhaust itself before we're ready to make another move? As long as you can stay a couple moves ahead and you're in this winning window, it doesn't scare me as much to answer Brian's question, but I'll let you go into a little bit further as far as won't the, his question is right there at the bottom. Won't all these restructures burn you down the line? Yeah. So it's, kind of comes down to who you're restructuring and what you're doing. Does Sean Watson is going to be here for quite a few more years, regardless of what happens. If he's good or if he's bad, he's still going to be here. So that's a really easy deal to restructure because you can push that right down the line. Same with Garrett's. If you're suddenly doing the only deals you're doing is Cooper two years, and then you're going to have to pay what's left on that credit card bill. The same with Chubb. Say you had a, a one-year, two-year deal with um, Hopkins, and suddenly you push all that into year three. Well, what would happen is you get into that year three and you've got all of these players hitting the books. You're in a disaster. And what's happened with some teams before, like the Saints and the Eagles, they've had to re-sign players just to push that number out. The players then got a lot of leverage on the negotiation and they're getting above what they should get on the market just to keep the, the money rolling because they can't afford three, four of these deals all to hit in the same year. So... It's about being sensible with who you push the money out on rather than just going, hey, let's do everyone. Because if you do do everyone, you do get into a spot. And I also expect them to roll over like 20, 25 mil of that 60 they create. So it's not one where they're going to spend it all. They just keep it there almost in an emergency fund. Because if something crazy happens of like, remember, um, 
uh, Von Miller getting traded mid-season yeah. because they, they knew that he wasn't going to stay there past that year. And the Rams gave up a second and a third. The reason they gave up two picks is because they needed the Denver Broncos to eat all the cap on the deal. If they had had cap space and could take that deal on, the price would have been a lot lower. So it's about having a little bit of extra money just there ready for whatever opportunity comes rather than going, yep, we're all in. We've got no wiggle room. We can't do this trade without giving up a crazy amount of assets. So, um, yeah, it's an emergency fund, most of it. Don't expect them, hey, there's 60 million there. Blow all 60 million and we're going into the season with 5 million for practice squad and in-season IR moves, etc. There'll be some uh, money kept going. Um, to answer Fumble's question there, yes, it is what the Saints have done for a long time is tack on void years. And uh, and right below that, Pache, you know, once again, uh, to your point, like one of these unexpecteds is Tom Brady retiring, right? So that puts Tampa in a terrible spot where the void years and the dummy years they had put on his deal now roll up and is due immediately, right? And I think it, just to reiterate what, reiterate what you're saying, like some of the Eagles, they may have to just extend to keep those void years out so it doesn't roll up and you don't owe $20 million this year, uh, but you could extend a player and then that allows those void years to stay in place as long as they actually have a base salary with the void year, uh, they don't roll up and are, are owed right away. Um, now, I think um, we're getting in the we get in the weeds a little bit here. Anytime you're talking uh, really deep into the cap, but that's that's uh, uh, interesting stuff there. And uh, um, a comment here: signing bonus remains with the team on a restructure. Yes, one hundred percent. That's uh, that's a lot of the dead cap you see sometimes when teams are going right, Jack. Yeah, it's, it, it's just, it's like shopping on a credit card. It's not free. Um, it just gives you a little bit more spending power now, but you balance it out. And as long as you're sensible with a credit card, there's nothing wrong with a credit card. If you're going out and just putting everything on the credit card and getting drunk every night and going out and partying every night and you're spending 10 times more than you, you're bringing in, then there's going to be an issue. So it's that kind of, there's a sensible level and then there's a crazy level. Yeah, if, if we did this, I would be worried, and this is crazy. Um, and it's why you don't want to do Cooper and Chubb because the money comes off so quickly. There's only a little bit of money that's going to be made for Njoku and Ward, so almost why bother doing that now? Whereas Correct. you look at the rest, you're spreading over such a long amount of time. And Watson's only got four years, but you're using that final void year. And then it, it comes down on, hey, you can extend him, and then you can kick it back some more. Um, so you've really got some wiggle room there. Um, Garrett's going to be... A, around for a while so it's choosing who and what to do it with rather than just going and people look at cooper and go do cooper next because he's got the most money as well i don't really want to have an 11 million cap charge plus the last restructure for cooper which is probably what i guess around 8 million off the top of my head but i can't think of it you'd effectively yep. be paying 20 million for cooper in 2025 when he's not on the roster that's where you don't want to be that's where the problems come what the saints have been caught out with so it's, it's a balancing act. Yes, uh, and, and I, I would agree with you. The other concern with Cooper is uh, these last few years of his deal are non-guaranteed. So if for some reason you were to see a drop-off in his play 
and you want to get out of this and you've restructured it, you've kind of hamstrung yourself. You've taken away your options to do what you want to do. Now, if they want to extend him, right, then you're talking about potential restructure makes sense, right, Uh, and moving some of the money down the line. Uh, but, uh, that is all up in the air at this point. So, uh, this would be what you're looking at just to explain is Jack has broken down all the players that could be restructured, what it would look like with the restructure, uh, as you see there, um, as you know, the void years, uh, on the signing bonuses and whatnot, uh, paid up right away and then kicked out, uh, four years for some two for others, depending on the life of uh, the deal. A uh, question here from Pat. Uh, will the cap jump a bunch with the, the new media deals? So, so it already jumped a bunch this year, and I could say it's probably going to continue to go up. So that's one thing that they can account for. Go ahead, Jack. Yeah, so the cap will continue rising. There was a couple of years where it's, it stagnated, dropped a bit, um, all due to paying off COVID money and the impact on the league. Um, but it will continue going up probably around sort of 20 million a year. And what the league does, and it is really smart by the league, when the new TV deals hit, they don't just go lump it all in one year. They spread that out and there's a nice, gentle increase. I say gentle, it's 20 mil, so it's not that gentle. But it's, it's that slower rise and suddenly, boom, it goes up one year and then it flatlines. Um, it allows for teams to get their books better in order. Um, but and as well, the smart thing is the Browns got a lot of these deals done early because, hey, people were saying 46 million a year is a lot for Deshaun Watson. Now we're going to see three QBs in Hertz, Burrow, Herbert. They might all cross 50 million. And suddenly it's like, hey, Deshaun Watson's into year three of his deal and other QBs are getting 55. So the rapid rise of stuff, it's not too bad, especially when you're tying people down to long deals um, you're going to see stuff there. And uh, apparently we, we've got news on a D-line coach. Um, yeah. Jackson McCurry in the chat. Got Ben Bloom is a D-line coach, according to Albert Breer. So the Browns staying internal uh, as they move. Ben Bloom is already on the staff, moving him to defensive uh Line coach, I know that's a guy that Jake had mentioned he wouldn't mind them keeping around. Um, I'll be honest, uh, Jack, I am uh, uh, not really, it's okay, whatever. I don't know anything about Ben, really, but I was hoping for a fresh uh, um, staff on the defensive side of the ball. I was hoping for new faces, um Guys that have worked with Schwartz before that know the language he uses, that know the verbiage of his defense, that know how he wants the defense to be taught. Uh, I think that would streamline that better. Um, And, uh, yeah, I I wanted a a clean slate, man. And uh, that's, uh, you know, I don't want guys there that have been there for three years already. And then when the adversity comes up, Jack, now here comes, uh, you know, problems that you've had with a player two years ago getting unearthed because that you've still got staff residual staff lingering around from the joe woods era it just doesn't make any sense to me but i i figured there would be a few internal you know stays uh, apparently this is going to be one of them i was hoping that 
defensive line was kind of one that I was hoping would really be a, a Schwartz guy, to be honest, because uh, the guys they've invested in on the defensive line have not developed at all. I, I think this might be one where you see it with a, a few staffs like, hey, we don't really have any sexy move at OC because Stefanski is effectively, in a way, ha- he, he is partially the OC um, in some elements. And I think if you look to the Saints, they brought in Joe Woods because they're not relying on Joe Woods to be the out-and-out DC and run the defence. It's Dennis Allen's defence. Um, and this might be one where... If, if you're going to ask what is Schwartz going to spend most of his time doing, it's going to be D-line. That, that's his bread and butter um, and where sure. a lot more focus goes. He's not the, he's not the coverage DB, guys. Um, he obviously has great ideas about everything to do with defense, but where is he going to specialize in a lot more time? It's going to be in the D-line. So I think that could easily be a factor where um, – is someone wanting to come in and then, hey, Schwartz is going to run it and you're, you're going to have involvement, but not to the level you'd want. So I think that could easily be a factor of why, hey, he's obviously happy with Ben Bloom. They wouldn't have forced him on him. Um, and that could be, hey, he's happy to roll with that. And he's going to actually going to be effectively the pseudo um, D-line coach. Yeah. Um, you make a good point there because that is his specialty, right? So, uh Although I admittedly am a little disappointed they are staying uh, in in house uh, with this move, um, I would say that uh, the one thing that we heard Schwartz talk about was him coaching coaches a lot in the presser, right? So, and he said he enjoyed that aspect of the job. What do we got here? Uh, Bloom told Stefanski and Barry, uh, "Get me some fat guys," and Schwartz said, "You're hired." Hilarious. Uh, all right. Um, so that's uh, some breaking news. Disappointing a little bit, but we'll see, uh, you know, uh, how Ben Bloom does, and we'll see what, what happens with the rest of the staff. I'm still hope, holding out some hope that, uh, at least on the offensive side of the ball, Jack, that they bring in a fresh face or something. Like, if they take Chad O'Shea and make him the quarterback's coach, I'm going to be kind of pissed, man. Like, the, I look at that as an opportunity to really bring in somebody with new ideas and, and fresh eyes on this offense that's undergoing a big change. It seems like your quarterback's coach should be somebody that can help with that change, not somebody that's been there uh, doing the same old stuff. Yeah, it's one that, hey, it's tough to really have any clue on what any position coach is actually doing Um, because there's a a large factor of, it's not like in college where they're responsible for recruiting in there. They really get a lot more responsible for what happens, whereas, hey, they're, they're not that involved with choosing who the guys are. They get given the guys and it's like, hey, it's someone else's defense. You just do your job. Um. Whereas even like the OCDC, we, we get a rough idea, but we don't get all the way into exactly what they're up to behind the scenes, player development, because, hey, it could just be a bum pick and the guy doesn't want to work. Is that the OCDC or position room uh, person's fault? Who knows? But, uh, hey, I, I, my confidence is in Schwartz. If Schwartz is happy for him to be there, who am I to judge that? Um, the same way as I almost give a pass on um, O-line decisions that if, hey, if it's what Bill Callahan thinks best, sometimes you just got to go, hey, the analytics like Worth's over Wills, but 
if Bill Callahan wants Wills, then sometimes you've got to be like, well, I think he knows better than me. All right, so we got some breaking news here tonight on All Eyes on Cleveland, especially as Jack Duffin staying up uh, past midnight uh, across the pond, as they say. Uh, here with us, make sure you hit like and subscribe. You're watching All Eyes on Cleveland on the OBR uh, network, Twitch, or YouTube. Uh, keep sending your questions and comments in. Uh, you guys are fantastic in the chat. All right, let, I got a question for you, all right? So... Where do you rank wide receiver on to-do list this offseason, Jack? Depends which element. I, I put it pretty high, but that is high in terms of the draft rather than free agency. Um, I, I, there's a guy in free agency that I think they'll really go after. It's not the big sexy name. It's no trades. It's just Trent Sherfield, about $3 million. But I think if you lined up all the available potential targets in free agency in the draft and said, choose one. And if it's that person that Cleveland Brown adds, you get a million dollars. Trent Sherfield will probably be top on that list of all the names, free agency, trade, draft, the lot that I think uh, can realistically happen. Uh, so, uh, well, first of all, thank you, Red Leader, for the uh, subscriptions uh, there in chat. You are appreciated, sir. Uh, quick question. You got me? Yep, I've got you back. Oh, it's such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right. Uh, a personal question from Fumble. Did you major in math? I went to uni to study mathematics and was like, hell no. And uh, I, I didn't finish that. I, I, I got the hell out as quick as I could. <laughs> I thought you said meth. All right. Um, all right. Uh, so you would prefer the Browns address wide receiver in the draft is basically what you're saying then, right? Like you don't see a free agent out there. What about the trade market? I just think the trade market's going to be ridiculously expensive. Um, there's some guys I'd really like, um, Jerry Judy, um, Elijah Moore, any of these guys on the cheaper deals. I don't want to start paying second, third round picks for a Hopkins, for a uh, Cooks, for any of these old guys. Um, they're great, but it's not what we need. And the risk is so high. You only have to look at um, the Titans who went and got Julio Jones and who wouldn't have considered Julio Jones a good player? Um, and yeah, it's it's been grim. Um, Robert Woods hasn't worked out. Um, I, I just think, get me a solid benchmark. And you've got other ones. Marquise Goodwin. You've got T.Y. Hilton. That Fine, they're coming to a good job. It, it gives you enough to be competitive week one. But that long-term answer needs to then come in the draft. And if you get me a Sherfield for three million and say Josh Downs at pick 42, that's going to be a pretty tasty 
wide receiver room that not just does a job for this year, that can potentially do a job for the next four or five years. Uh, yeah, thoughts on McCall Hardman? I think he's going to be too pricey. Um, I think What's his, What was his projection at again? I forget. So PFF didn't have one because he's not in their top 100, but I think you're looking at somewhere 7, 8, 9 million. Um, I, th- I, I expect him to get paid because why not? That's um, crazy. you got DJ Shark is in the sort of 11 range, was 10 last year. I see a lot of similarities there. Um, Do you think Ayuk is uh, a realistic trade candidate? Like the... So the reason that they make the case for Ayuk potentially being on the trade block is they need to do some things and make some decisions, and they're going to probably pay Debo and whoever else they got to pay over there, right? Um, and Ayuk, who I think is fantastic, you know, uh, had a terrific year, over a thousand yards, a bunch of touchdowns. Uh, and they're like, they could sell high on him, right? Like, they could get a good return for him now if they don't plan on extending him past uh, his, his uh, is, was he a first-round pick? I, I think yeah. he might have been. So, past his fifth year. Um, so, that would be the thought behind it. I don't know how realistic that is. Uh, would you be interested in an IUK? So, I think... He would probably stay because they look like they're trending in the direction of a rookie QB. And if you've got that, hey, you've got a lot of extra money to play with. Yeah. Um, If he's traded late first, early second, um, higher than we'd have at pick 42, I think someone would make that offer. So I I think it's going to be really, really tough for, for us to go out and, hey, the, almost the Watson move takes us out of having the trade assets to go get a really good player and then all of the other signings and hey it's crazy the what 12 10 million plus players last year takes us out of the cap space of having that big move so even if it was a a cooper style trade for i think he'll go for more than this but say a deforest buckner i don't think you can just go yeah we'll throw 20 million of salary onto the team and it'll all be fine it's kind of it's not going to be a sexy off season but there is plenty of potential for several three to six million moves where suddenly we're in a really, really nice position, but it, it, it's not one that you're going to go, oh yeah, you won't read articles on sort of other websites of Cleveland Browns won the off season. But usually the teams that get them doesn't work out. Right. Yeah, I agreed. Um, a good point from Chad here, and I have it written down to ask you as well. Titans release Robert Woods. Do you have any interest there? Um, so he's not really the wide receiver I'm looking for in terms of speed and everything there, but at the same time, if it's a reasonably cheap deal, I'm fine with that. If that's say 5 million and he's coming in and he's just giving you solid play that on a one year deal, almost why not? Um, so yeah, it's not plan A, but why not at the same time? Yeah. You know, he brings a um, an ability to line up in the slot and do some different things than you have. But once again, he doesn't bring the speed element that I think you and I both kind of want them to add. Um, the problem is right now, and I talked about this last week, is like 
all these teams, especially the AFC, Jack, right? Bunch of good quarterbacks, bunch of good teams that are ready to go forward. They all wanted to make big swings this offseason. They all want to be able to you know, engage in this arms race of adding weapons to their offense. Everybody's leaning into that. But right now there's really no big swings to take, right? Like there's Hopkins and, you know, maybe a couple other guys. But like, you know, I don't know how realistic even Jerry Judy is as a trade option out now that Sean Payton's there, right? Uh, I don't even know how realistic Iuke is as a trade option. Like, there's not enough big swings for teams that want to take them right now. So that lends itself to overpayment, right? Yeah. Whenever there's a, um, a, a lack of resource and teams are desperate, they'll continue to overpay. And we had the chat about, well, where does... Um, Claypool sit and it was like for me it was always a second it was like someone is going to pay a second and people go no he's not worth the talent and Donovan Peoples-Jones I think is a perfect discussion as well where people go well what would you pay Donovan Peoples-Jones they're like oh yeah six seven million yeah I'll keep him around and it's like well six million is like Braxton Berrios money and Braxton Berrios has not really done anything whereas DPJ has you start looking at where the market is and you really get a sense of well 10 to 12 is where he deserves to be um, and you've almost got to bite, bite your lip and just pay it or you don't pay it. It's, there's no kind of in-between. So prices of wide receivers high because every team realises you need three. One wide receiver doesn't cut it. Two, you can sort of get away with. But if you want to be an explosive team, you've got to have all three. And realistically, you can't pay all three. You've got to have at least one of them, ideally two, on rookie deals. Uh, that's my concern though right like okay so they go into the second round and they try to find their third guy there or you hope that david bell makes a big leap or whatever neither of those lend themselves to me to be like they're not sure things right like there's a non-zero chance that neither of them work out and you just don't have the weapons uh in 22 with the all-in contract on Watson, don't you have to follow that with an aggressive move to get him another wide receiver? You kind of lost that luxury when you got Amari Cooper. Um, because rather you could move off Amari Cooper and you could bring in two guys for $10 million and you can have the multiple options. But when you invest that much money, he's, a, he's effectively, what is he, top, top eight, top 10 paid wide receiver? You've already spent that money. And that, for me, is sort of the argument that it's done. Um, and I think the unusual thing with Amari Cooper is because it was a fifth, people focus on the fifth, not... If he was a free agent and we spent $20 million on him, I think people would have a different perception of what Amari Cooper is. Amari Cooper's great. He's done exactly what he's asked to do, but they, they view the fifth more than they view the 20 mil. If he was just a free agent and they spent 20 million on, I think people would be saying, well, I want a bit more out of Amari Cooper now. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of that balancing game. So he, the budget's already invested. The, the budget is Amari Cooper. And I think it, it's about how we go from where we are now, which is all the money in one guy and then no real money in anyone else, to well, where does that go down the line? Now, I, I think for me, unless you've got your Jamar Chases and your really top guys, the perfect sort of blend is that two guys on, say, 10 million and one guy on that rookie deal that hopefully then 
becomes the guy you want to pay 20 million to. That's tough, man. That's really tough because the market is way up there at 30 million for your best wide receiver. So if you if you've got a guy like that or even if you want to call Cooper your one, it's just hard to level it out and time it out. You've got to hit at the exact right time. Uh, and if you want to get aggressive, like, so looking at the restructures, if they wanted to get uber aggressive, couldn't they get a guy on a one-year deal and pay him, uh, you know, the, the, the money necessary if they wanted to get crazy aggressive? They, they could certainly do that. Um, and I think the route to doing it would be you go out and even if it's not a one-year deal, you give a multi-year deal to say, say it's a McCall Hartman, say it's a DJ Shark, um, three years, 30 million let's say just for argument's sake and then what you do in um, next off season is you move on from Mari Cooper a year early on his deal and then you move to from the 120 million a year wide receiver to two guys that are costing 10 million DPJ and Shark DPJ and Hardman whoever that other person is and that's kind of you almost speed that process up a year early um, and it's do you want to do that? that and that, that's a risk um, because you might get to a year's time and DPJ hasn't really delivered what you that next step you're looking for. Um, Hardman or Chark it hasn't played great or been injured. Suddenly, hey, they're guaranteed that second year of 10 million. You can't get out of that. And you, you almost have to move on from Mario Cooper, even though he's your best wide receiver. It, it, that's why it's really got to come through the draft. So, um, yeah. Um, very interesting. So it's basically because of Watson's deal, basically it's impossible to keep Cooper, DPJ, and add a third high-paid wide receiver, right? I don't think it's just because of that, because if you didn't have Teller, you didn't have Conklin, you didn't have Chubb, well, the money's there. It's what you've chosen to do with that. You're probably looking at, I would say realistically, probably about five big deals on the offense. We've got the quarterback, the running back, the tight end, one wide receiver, a left guard, a right guard, a right tackle. That's seven. So you've, if you want to have five and you've got the quarterback, two wide receivers, um, maybe one on the O-line and who knows, the tight end or the second one on the O-line, that works. But it, it's you can only have so many big, big deals. And Difficult. The fact that they've got three massive deals, um, all, all about $15 million a year once you average it out on the um, O-line is just you've got to be able to get cheaper there. That is, as Watson goes along, it cannot continue that way if you want to have an explosive set of receivers and other weapons. Um, but that brings you, me to, uh, so we did our, our free agency pieces together, and then I did my mock free agency. In my mock free agency, I had the Browns trading Wyatt Teller, and a lot of people push back against this, but... My idea was to get off of some of the money, get an asset in return, and then in my hypothetical, I traded for Elijah Moore with the third that I got back for Teller. Um, and uh, what what is your thought on moving off of a guy like Teller? Or even, I'll even throw like a Nick Chubb out there, like 
Hold on, I've got a figure here that that Super Bowl tweet. You know what I'm talking about, where it shows all the uh, Super Bowl running backs over like the last ten years, and they're all making like three million dollars a year. So um, let me start with this. Then I'll go to move to teller in a second. I'll start the question with this: Can Chubb and Watson coexist, in your opinion, in this offense? They can, but is it the most efficient use of resources towards winning a Super Bowl? No. Because if you're going to pay, as, as we went through that example there, do you want the 12 million wide receiver or do you want the 12 million running back? Because if you can only have one, well, which one can you get for 2 million? Because it comes into a debate. Would you rather have really good wide receiver and Alexander Matteson or would you really have, um, let, let's say T.Y. Hilton and Nick Chubb? It, it's a no-brainer for me. What's going to get the most out of Deshaun Watson? 12 million wide receiver or um, T.Y. Hilton? G- give me the wide receiver. So it, it's about the allocation of resources to maximize Watson. Because Watson on 46 million a year is the route that either wins you a Super Bowl or you don't win a Super Bowl. And that, that's a, it's a, what it comes down to. So what I would love with Elijah Moore and why I think he'd be a, such a great addition for the Browns this year, if you can get him off of that. And I think a key thing is going to be if they get Rodgers, it's all over. Elijah Moore's not moving. Um, so that would be the absolute end of that. Um, even if they got Carr, they'd probably keep hold of him. If they're struggling and they, they don't get what they want, you've then got more chance they might move off of him. Um but what I would love to see is you bring him in and suddenly you've got your long-term plan there. doesn't stop you drafting a wide receiver, maybe not a 42, maybe slightly after. Hey, I'd still even do it at 42. But you've got a route where you've got Cooper for uh, two years. You've got DPJ that you can suddenly put on that 10 to 12 and a half. Um, you've got Elijah Moore that in a year's time, if he plays well, you can put him onto a similar deal, maybe, maybe two and a half million more. And then you've got your long-term route where you, you're then going to replace Cooper with a draft pick. You've got a wide receiver group that is going to allow uh, Watson to flourish. And I think it's more important than chasing wide receiver one. I'd rather have three wide receiver twos. And that's not saying I would rather have less quality. I want lots of weapons because the really, really good teams on defense, they can take one or two guys out. What they can't take out is three really good wide receivers, and a really good tight end. If you've suddenly got that, that's when any of the top defenses, suddenly they don't look so great. If you were Andrew Barry looking at this, and as you mentioned, it was a great example with the T.Y. Hilton and the Nick Chubb and the uh, and vice versa, uh, what would you do with Nick Chubb right now? If there is a team willing to give anything close to um, the McCaffrey trade, I'm, I'm doing it because you've got to cash in when players are at their highest value. Because if we look at Nick Chubb now, next year he's going to turn 28. And that is historically the age we start to really see a decline in running back. We're also seeing him incredibly high level of snaps last year. And what tends to come after a player has had that many snaps in a year at running back is significant amount of injuries next season. You only have to look at Jonathan Taylor. He was the, the guy that if you had him the year before in fantasy, you won all your leagues. And then everyone drafted him really high. And it all fell off because 
that amount of wear and tear on a body has significant impact. And the other part is he's got two years left in his deal, um, just over 12 million. And you can move on from this year and get real value and saying, oh, we'll look at him next year. If you're trading a guy with one year left in his contract and you trade contracts, you don't actually trade players in the NFL, you trade a contract. Right. Then suddenly that team's like, oh, we don't really want that if we're going to be honest. Um, we're, we don't want one year of this player. And if we no. are, we'll, we'll give up a, a a mid three rather than a two and maybe a three and something else. It, it, your value significantly drops. And it's why people say, hey, I don't want to move on from JOK next year, this year, but let's do it next year. Well, next year, there's no real point in moving on from him in his final year because who's going to want one year of a, a linebacker? Whereas, hey, you say two years of rookie cost control, people are like, oh, that's got some value to me. So um, timing's really important as well. Um, Brian asks a question here or, or says right here, if Njoku lives up to his con- contract, so, you know, what if Njoku catches for 900 yards and, and uh, you know, eight touchdowns? Does that change what you need at wide receiver? I would say I'm, I'm still chasing multiple wide receiver twos um, yeah. of that quality. Um, not to say, hey, they have to be X, they have to be Y, they have to be Z. Um, not as worried and stuff like that. You just need lots and lots of weapons. Um, and you're going to get injuries and stuff happen. Um, perfectly um, fine with that. So I think in Joku playing really well does make your life easier. But still give me more, more, more. Um, it's always going to be the case of the more targets to Sean Watson has to throw at. Um, and when stuff like the scramble drill happens... It's not always just having guys open. He's got to have the confidence that they're going to catch it as well. Um, so Njoku certainly helps, but uh, I, I want all of the targets to be really, really impressive. Um, and something I'm probably going to do in the next few weeks is just look at uh, all the way through um, every position in the NFL and go, if I wanted to get that play, that position, an above average free agent, what's it going to cost because I think that's going to be a really enlightening piece for people when they suddenly go, oh, I can get a wheel linebacker that's above average, that's going to cost $4 million. Oh, I want to get a wide receiver that's above average, great, you can pay over $10 million. And that's yeah. when people talk about positional value, it's that sort of stuff. Can you go out and replace someone um, in free agency? And if you can, why are we drafting that position highest? Why Quinton Nelson is probably one of the destined, probably from the moment he's picked, to potentially end up in the Hall of Fame. A horrendous draft pick because what is he ever going to produce? He's a guard. It's yep. it's that catch twenty two. So do you you? So I mentioned Teller in my trademark. So do you have an issue with the Browns paying these their guards so much money? Then I, I think it's ridiculous to pay two. Um, and part of the reason why, when you lock into two deals, if you suddenly hit on a UDFA or you get a draft pick that you really like, and they turn out to be great, how do you slide them in? It's not quite like an edge or a DT where it's a rotation. He's either starting or he's not. So it's not one where it's a one-year deal for somebody, and then you, you can bring someone through. You're almost stuck. If, if Say if Dawson Deaton was fit last season, and he turned out to be the second coming of Joel Batonio, well, you're not going to see him for three years because you've already 
guaranteed someone else, both of your guards deal. So I think it's just a bad use of resources. You've got your five key spots. You've got quarterback, you've got wide receiver, you've got left tackle, you've got corner, and you've got edge. Those are the positions, hey, if, if you get two of them, great, throw money at it, you're all good. Outside of that, I don't want to throw money at two guys. Um, and Betonio's probably going into the Hall of Fame. Um, it's going to be tough. Hey, not many guards ever get there. But Teller was just, a, it was an overreach. He was playing phenomenally. Um, don't get me wrong. I was sat there thinking, do you only pay one and is it Wyatt Teller? Um, because that was a realistic thought to have. They, those two were so close for an 18-month um, stretch. But at the same time, it was like, no, let's, let's actually just move away from that. Um, allow him to go into free agency, cash in, and just bring someone in. Because every time we've had a guard injury, somebody has come in and Bill Callahan has made them look great. And I was just going to say, the thing that makes it so hard and even worse is that like one of the things that you have as a Browns organization that's an edge over other teams is Bill Callahan. And when you have an edge over in any area, you need to lean into that edge as much as possible and get as much value out of it as possible. So, but, you know, by paying all these linemen lots of money when you have Bill Callahan, it's not leaning into your edge, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it almost should be like Jason Tava at linebackers. He has got a horrendous budget. Um, we haven't had a single season yet where they spent six million. Oh, sorry, ten million on all six in total. Um, it might break it this year, but it could be close. Um, but that that really, what we've got from that return has been good. Um, and there's next to no investment, and that that's kind of the two that you want to pair. Um, so we we do need to see that cost come down so we can really reap the benefits. Getting developing guys, um, it looks like Hudson's not going to be the guy. Um, else, hey, you don't pay $15 million to Jack Conklin. Um, and we only have to look at this free agency class. There's loads of great right tackles. Do they quite fit the scheme? Maybe not. But there's great right tackles on the cheap. You could have probably found someone um, for one, two years. So... Uh, yeah, it's frustrating. We need to get cheaper there. And I, I think they will over the longer term. They just need to uh, get on with it. That brings me to uh, an even harder question or a more interesting one. What do you do with Jed Wills at this point? Um, are you giving him the fifth-year extension? Uh, Mary Kay says they're going to. Um, thoughts on that? So I looked at it, and I dropped a piece this week because <laughs> – I said to Barry, I said, Barry, shall I write a piece potentially for two months down the line when they announce whether they've done it or not? And I started writing it and I ended up writing a completely different article was like, should they do it? Yes, they should. I saw you write that, yeah. Um, and what I've basically looked at is let's just compare them to the other, that group of tackles. And basically nine million plus, um, you've effectively got everyone that isn't a rookie um, deal. That, that's that group. Um, I think there's about, I want to say, 19, 20 of them. Um, and if you paid him uh, what it's going to be, 14. 14 point, and a half, yeah. Yeah. Then 
he's going to be about the 19th paid left tackle. And that, that's the thing that lots of people, they look at the one number and go, yeah, I'm not paying Jeb Wills that. What they don't look at is, well, what is the left tackle market? And suddenly, yeah, if you're the 19th highest paid left tackle, does it really matter? Um, you're fairly cheap in the grand scheme of it. So I think you pick up the option. That doesn't mean, I don't think there's ever a route to him getting a long-term deal in Cleveland. Yeah. Um, that, and that's the key thing. You're not saying, I want him long-term. You are saying, right, stick a plaster on it. Part of me wants to sign Cameron Fleming in free agency for two and a half million as a swing tackle. Um, I'd still go out and draft someone. I'd say that's the the surprise move to keep an eye on is pick 42 potentially being a left tackle. People are going to hate that if it happens, but the yes, draft is about the future. I, I will hate it. And don't rule it out. Um I was also saying cornerbacks very much on the cards and as their uh, third round pick last year. And uh, yeah, it kind of happened. Um, but I think they pick it up. They can easily trade him off. Um, I think there'll be no, unless there's a massive drop off of play, I think another team would happily take that contract on next year. Maybe they eat some money and they get a higher draft pick to balance it out. But um, I, I don't think there's an issue. Whereas there was an issue moving Baker on. I don't think you can get the same issue with Jed Wills. So pick it up, keep your options open. Because some people have said, oh, why don't you wait and then you can franchise tag him if you want to keep him around. That's going to be about 10 million more next year. So it's not really a realistic. If it was, say, three, four million more, I would say, yeah, just we'll tag him. Um, and yeah, just let it roll. Um, get two years. And then by then, we've got first round picks again. If we want to go into the draft and get a guy, we can easily do that. Yeah, it, there's just not enough good left tackles in the NFL, uh, basically. Um, all right, uh, real quickly, let's swing to the defensive side of the ball, and then I'll get you out of here. I know it's super late. Now we're running up Ooh, against good. 1 a.m. Jack's time. Let's just keep going, right? Uh, hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Bleacher Report has dream scenario trades for every team. Uh, I don't know if you saw this, but their pick for the Browns, D'Amico Autry. Thoughts? I've not even uh, no thought of his name at all. Um, yeah. I thought it was a strange one, too. But uh, an edge, right, uh, who played with uh, Schwartz. So. I'm trying to just pull him up on... That's that's the link they made. Uh, is here. I've got it right here. Jamico Autry. Uh, uh, uh. uh, Cleveland struggled to field talent in depth along the defensive line in 2022. Uh, new defensive coordinator Jim Schwartz will be inclined to change things. Schwartz's resume is loaded with. Uh, experience coaching uh, star defensive lineman and the primary objective of his scheme calls for upgrades in the trenches. Nate Ulrich writes, um, 
Cleveland, which is currently projected to be 14.3. Hold on. I don't know what they're saying about the money, but. So just pulling up his contract, he'd cost yeah. 7.25 million. And he's going to be 33 next season. Um, yeah. Good, really good pressure numbers, if I'm honest. Looking at the last two years. Yeah, um, sixty-four pressures on five hundred and thirty-five, and then last year fifty-four pressures on three hundred and eighty-eight pass rushing snaps. So the numbers are good, but I'm not paying that. Um, I wouldn't <laughs> trade for it to pay him as such, um, unless it was some like dirt cheap. Hey, we'll give you a a, a like a sixth, um, and we'll get it done. Um, because yeah. He, He's a nice player, but there's a risk factor. and I'd rather have an Okoronkwo, uh, slightly cheaper. You don't have to give up anything in a trade because I, I don't want to give up assets. We need these draft picks because the roster's so expensive. You've got to hit on these draft picks to try and uh, make the roster as cheap as you can. So uh, uh, They're going to have to address... Um defensive line in free agency correct right you can't draft defensive linemen they're just not ready uh who's your give me like your top two fits uh if you could have any two guys that match the money you know we've been up and down and through this defensive tackle market like crazy right uh you mean you have uh, what's your top two guys well i'm gonna give you two two at edge and two at dt I've got okay. two at each, and I, I yes, I, I feel really locked in. So I think Edge, I think Okoronkwo makes a lot of sense at about five and a half million a year. And then last season, if if you were unfortunate enough to listen to me at any point, all I kept saying was Taven Bryant is going to be a Cleveland Brown. Write it down. Um, this year, he's not as athletic as I'd like, but I've I've got the vibes. I'm going to say Demarcus Walker is a Cleveland Brown. Um, Jim Schwartz connection. Guy gets pressure. It's going to be relatively cheap. I think he comes in as your third um, edge. Allows Alex Wright to be a fourth and really develop uh, for another year. Um, I, I think that one makes so much sense um, that I think, yeah, it it's, feels like a, uh, a lock and to happen. Um, if we jump into the interior, a guy that I think is going to be their number one target. This is someone with great pass rushing numbers and average run defense and i think that that's the key pairing they're looking for they don't want this guy can't run defend but in the same way i don't want to pay for run defense i just need to be average at it right and that's matt ionidas um i think it's so much sense to bring him in six and a half million is nothing in the grand scheme of it but you're going to get i i i set the benchmarkers i want 10 percent of their pass rushes to end in a pressure. If I can get that, Miles Garrett can get me more. But if I can get that out of my DTs, I'm really happy. And then the guy I would love to pair him with is Jaron Reed. Um, I'm not sure how to pronounce first name. I butcher it every time. Jaron, yeah, you Jaron. got it. Um, with the Packers at the moment, I think about three, three and a half million gets that done. Um, I think he's a really nice second option. I'd be happy with Taven Bryant there. I just think Reed gives you a little bit more. But I think that's a really nice pairing. You've got Perry on Winfrey as your three. And something that I've just I find so funny is I see so many mocks with two defensive tackles drafted. 
And then I sit there and I think, Andrew Berry tends to keep four on the D-line. So are you either cutting Perry on Winfrey or are you starting Perry on Winfrey? Because effectively yeah. that's what you're doing. So just an interesting one to keep in mind because who doesn't love a mock draft? Um, but to look at, well, where does the room balance out? Because you can draft four players on the D-line, but what are you doing in free agency? How many are you keeping? Just to look at that whole big picture of where everything uh, stacks up. All right. So I mentioned it before. My mock, uh, my mock free agency, I'm ready for it. Breakdown. I'm ready for all the critique you got for me. All right. Here, here it is. I don't know if you can see that well enough. I've got it. Um, I, in retrospect, I probably addressed everything too much, right? Like I, I probably went a little too far in addressing everything. Uh, Jeff Wilson, running back, Dobbs, backup quarterback. Any issues there? I really like Dobbs. Um, I think he. He would be my ideal candidate to come in and compete with Mond. Um, I, I want a little bit more than Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson's nice, don't get me wrong. Um, I, I think Raheem Mostert, probably over him. Uh, yeah, they're similar guys, right? Uh, but yes, you're, you're correct. Uh, Mostert's probably a, a better back. Um, and uh, I like both of them have ran in the scheme. Um, and both of them bring a speed element and a pass-catching element that we're not sure that Ford has. We're hoping he has, but you can't bank on it, right? He's played like nine rushes. He's had like nine rushes in his NFL career. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. wish we'd have seen more last year. Me too. Agreed. Um, I went with the Oliver kid from... Uh, Baltimore because he kind of forced uh, Boyle out there and uh, he's a good blocker with some pass catching upside at tight end. He's kind of cheap. Thoughts on that move? Yeah, there, there's not many uh, tight ends that have no former connection to Houston that are on my uh, shopping list, <laughs> yeah, as uh, right. Jake Burns keeps telling me off for. Um, I think it makes so much sense to go out and try and upgrade that tight end two position. We know what Harrison Bryant is. He's okay. Um, but that's it. Do I want to pay 2.7 million for OK? No, I don't. Um, so even if it's just on a one-year deal, go out and just find somebody. Um, Oliver Aikens, loads of these guys, they all make great sense. Um, and who knows? It might not work out, but I'm willing to roll the dice because it's a one-year deal for Harrison Bryant at the end of the day. We save a little bit of money, gamble on some more upside. Probably going to draft a guy anyway. Yeah, um, in the along the offensive line, I traded Teller away uh, and st stuck Froholt in there, and then brought also brought in Chuma uh, Idoga, who has some experience. He's only twenty five uh, as a, another option there, right? That you would hope that uh, Bill Callahan would get his hands on. Um, you know whether the Teller thing would ever work out. And then I took the third round for Teller and traded for Elijah Moore. So that was that. Um, you kind of talked about that already. I have them letting uh, Pochick walk and just rolling with Nick Harris and bringing in a backup. Do you think that's what they'll do, or do you think they're going to uh, try to extend Pochick? So I think Pochick is gone. Um, the minute they paid $15 million to uh, Conklin, it was kind of the end of him um, here. Um, and I think that's clear. If there's a player I'm looking at and going, he's the next Nick, uh, Nick Harris, next 
Pochic to be sort of a centre that no one really knows that much about, but he's top eight um, next year. Corey Levin is that guy. I'm really, really impressed with him. Schwartz can obviously vouch for him, been on the opposite side of the ball, but comes from the Titans. Um, it might cost a little bit more than one and a half, might be two mil, but I would bring him in and then let them battle. Nick Harris has had one start at centre and played really, really well Christmas Day against the Packers. So he certainly deserves the opportunity to win that spot, but I want a veteran that can battle him. And uh, Corey Levin, for me, is that guy. We could easily be sat here in a year's time going, yeah, we let Pochic go and we got this other guy that was really good and Pochic yeah. suddenly middle of the league, if best, because he hasn't got Bill Callahan, Joel Batonio, trying to make him look better. Yeah, 100%. Uh, totally agree there. Um, and then, you know, I took the savings that you get with the uh, teller move, and instead of, you know, initially I had two rotational guys down, Dunlop and somebody else, uh, at edge, and instead I went ahead and extended to get a guy that can play the full load like Arden Key uh, to put opposite Miles Garrett and went with Dunlop as your third and then Alex Wright uh, as your fourth. You know, Alex Wright, I actually like the reps that he played on the interior better than the ones that he played on the outside. Uh, and, I, you know, him in space worries me a little bit. So uh, I don't know what they'll do with him. But, uh, you know, I would like to get him in the rotation. But thoughts there on Key. Key's probably not going to happen, right? So, yeah, on Key... My issue with a lot of this group is they seem to play about 500 snaps a year, which is fine, but you're almost going to need two of them because Miles is going to play like 800. So yes. it's yeah. that, are you getting enough out of those 500 snaps to justify the, the 9 million? I would probably, if I'm looking at really investing in edge, just almost bite my lip and go all the way to Davenport at 12 million. Um, just because I think even though he, he's only played about 500 snaps because he's always injured or does, isn't quite there physically, I bet on that upside a little bit more. So Key's yeah. nice. If he was 5 million, then I'd have him pro sat there with Okoronkwo going, get me either of these guys, I'm going to be over the moon, or get me both. Um, but I would probably go invest that a little bit extra and let, let's go all the way for uh, – Davenport if I'm gonna get key interesting I'll, I'll find the other three mil yeah Davenport certainly has that upside right and it feels like but he's just uh same thing with key but you know he just is not on the field enough right to justify but he's gonna get oh he's gonna get overpaid either way they're gonna pay him like he's already at a ceiling uh, unfortunately uh I went with Anyamata and Rankins in, up the middle. I think you like. Do you like Onyemata? Yeah. So Onyemata is my second behind Ionidis as guys I would go for. So I uh, really like him. And then Rankins is my third in that. So I've almost got those three are my DT ones. Um, Ionidis, Onyemata, and Rankin. And then for my DD two uh, defensive tackle two, I've got Reed. And then behind that's Tate and Bryant at the moment. So, um, no, okay. I, I think Onyemata, he had a down year in run grade, but mm. his pass rush was still just as effective um, despite being see, 30, 30, 30, yeah, 30 at the moment. So yeah. I would happily bring him in for two years, and he just gives you such solid play. 
Um, and hopefully that veteran leadership will just upgrade everyone else in the room. Yeah. Um, he's kind of one of the guys that I really hope they bring in, but we'll see uh, what happens there. Um, you know, is, when you look at linebacker, I don't know if they'll actually do anything here of significance. Probably not. I have them bringing in Perryman, but I guess it doesn't that doesn't make sense to you does it i mean i you, tell me what you think D is it worth them to bring in another body do they try to you know do an incentive laden deal with taki taki and keep them around i you know i think that there's an emphasis on winning now enough that that maybe you let that go i don't know yeah so it's kind of any extra money you throw into linebacker basically got to come out of the D-line budget. So sure. I'd rather keep that in the D-line. Um, I think you pay the $4 million for Walker. Um, it, incredible how um, well he's played. Um, I, I didn't really like it too much when we initially signed him from the Colts um, because he he was a bit like Pochich in a way. He hadn't really broken out. Yeah. Um, he played a lot, but it wasn't anything you really get excited about. But he's played really, really well, um, started the season phenomenally this year. So pay the $4 million, bring him back on a one-year deal. I would sign Raglan, and I want to try and turn him into my Sam linebacker. Um, I think he could easily do that role. Um, and then that's almost your, your three. That you've got Walker and JOK that will play the majority. Bring in Raglan when needed. Um, I cannot wait to see the back of Jordan Phillips. Um, I don't need to see him on the field ever again. <laughs> Jordan, Jordan, what have I got? A butch, I always butcher his name. It's Jordan? No, uh, but uh, Jacob. But, Jacob, uh, always call him Jordan as well. It doesn't matter. He's not He's not very good. So um, Then you've got Fields, I think, is your backup, Will. So I think you've got the backup to JOK there. Um, Did you see enough line? from Fields last year to think that he can be okay? I don't want to see him play, but I'm happy with him as a special teamer. And if, <laughs> okay. if, if you're a linebacker five, it's all about your special teams. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm okay with that. I would ideally look to draft a guy that will knock Phillips out for your second Mike linebacker because, hey, if you can draft a guy in round sort of five and then develop him for a year behind Walker and whenever Walker's ready to go, you, you can bring him in. Um, and Raglan could obviously step across from Sam to be um, – the mic too if injury strikes and then just whoever's the best for special teams at the end of the day linebacker six is a special teams role it's not a uh, linebacker role so udfa whatever just throw somebody out there i feel like you really want tavier thomas to play this role uh but uh i just can't see past like who who he was with the Browns, not who he was with the Texans. So um, I went with Isaiah Oliver. Obviously, he's maybe one of the better uh, nickel corners. But can we agree that they have to bring a nickel corner onto this roster? Yeah, so you've got A.J. Green they're going to bring back at $2.7 million for camp. Um, but then I'd expect them to look at options and, hey, can you upgrade there? And the reason you're bringing AJ Green back is because, hey, if, if an injury happens to Ward, Newsom, Emerson, then you've already got a 2.7 million guy that is signed and you're not scraping around for some horrendous street free agent that wasn't even good enough to make any, any other teams 90, let alone their uh, 53. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Oliver, 
I think is going to get more than two and a half mil, if I'm honest. He um, probably will, yeah. I think he's a really nice signing for whoever gets him. Um, but yeah, I, I think it makes sense. And part of me that really likes the the Thomas signing um, is the fact that he's so effective on special teams. Because if you're asking him to come in and do special teams and that, you're getting a lot more for your two and a half mil, um, two million maybe. Um, so keep an eye on that. I think he'll probably stay in Houston though, but it is a new DC, so that can also drive change. But I think it makes sense to bring in a slot who can really... You better. You better. I mean, you can't roll out there with Newsom as your only nickel again. You know he doesn't want to play it. Uh, and, and you should at least have a depth guy there that can play the role uh, when somebody gets hurt so you can just kick him outside and at least make him happy to that degree. Um, I, I, I don't understand why they think like uh, they don't need to address that position. No, and Fumble 13 in the comments said about they're, they're going to draft a cornerback um, late. Sure. It'll sure. probably be sort of fifth and onwards. Um, but they'll bring a guy in. And cornerback's actually the position with the most UDFAs. Two positions have loads of UDFAs that go on to success. It's running back and it's cornerback. Um, just because there is so many running backs that you don't have to pay them. And then there is so hard to judge cornerback talent. And teams really, really struggle with it. That you can find gems late on. So, um, no, really interesting to keep an eye on who's out there. Um, but, yeah, I, I think... I think they'll bring in a slot um, and it might be a slot that actually gets beaten out by a rookie in camp or a UDFA um, or just some guy that we think is a camp body and we ignore and then suddenly boom they make the final 53 because they looked good in preseason in the slot so um, yeah certainly worth having a guy and that slot guy usually plays a lot of special teams they usually drafted late on and they are just absolute grinders trying to make the team and get a paycheck yeah, uh, that point was made very clearly last week when we had um, Quincy on Carrier. He was like, look at your best nickel corners, right? Like, they're guys that, you know, if you can play... The, the, the problem with moving Newsom inside is he can play outside. Like, he doesn't need to come inside and stick his head in and play the run because he's good enough to play outside. And that's the problem you ran into. Like, the guys that become your best slot guys are guys that have to do that to make the team, right? Like, they have to be good in the run game. They have to be good at, at the stuff that nobody really wants to do uh, to do it. That's why you see so many UDFAs and 5th, 6th, or 7th rounders uh, becoming good nickel corners. Either way, uh, they're going to have a problem if they don't address it well enough to relieve Newsom from having to do that uh, or else you're going to have a problem, I think. Yeah, and it's it's how much he's played in the slot that I think caught him by surprise because lots of the early talk was, uh, we'll match up wide receivers and whoever drifts into the slot will follow that. Newsom played like 75 80% of the slot snaps for the Browns. Yeah. So it wasn't really one that whoever's following him is going to wander in there because if that's the case, if they go, hey, the more physical wide receiver, right, Emerson's on them, the, yeah. the speed, this guy gets that. And and almost if it was that, I'm sure Newsom would be like, yeah, whatever. Um, but it's the fact that if that someone's in the slot, it's always him. And yeah, get some absolute grinder in there um, who's just battling out for a paycheck, beast on special teams, 
beast yeah. in the slot, and um, yeah, they don't need to do much else. And it can't be always interchangeable like that because if I'm an offense, I'm taking whoever Denzel Ward's guarding and I'm moving him into the slot and running the ball to his side every down. I mean, let's just be real, right? I mean, uh, I don't know. So you got to find somebody that can do that. I At least that's how I feel. Uh, uh, it sounds like you do too. Um, and then, you know, I, I don't know how strongly you feel about the free safety thing. Uh, we'll start with this. I like, I love Juan Thornhill. I know you like him too. Uh, five and a half million seems reasonable for him. What do you think about that? Yeah, so I, I Thornhill's my number two. Um, when looking for a free safety, it's time to move on from um, John Johnson. Um, so bring in Thornhill and um, you free up some money and probably get a, an upgrade. There is inconsistency there, um, and that's one to be eyes wide open with Thornhill. Um, he's not a finished product, um, and that's why, hey, you're getting him for five and a half mil. That's why part of me is like, hey, let's just pay two million and get Rodney McLeod for a year um, and almost bodge it um, because he's going to come in. He had a career year at like 30 or yeah, 31. Yeah, he did. So um, really promising. He's got a history with Schwartz, um, can really be a leader, and I think – that helps more with a Delpit to bring in someone there that has done it. Um, great experience. So part of me is like, yes, just do it for a year. Get, get me above average and we'll work everything else out. So Thornhill probably gives you the two, three-year package better than a, a Rodney McLeod, but I'll, I'm happy with either. John Johnson is done. Post June first cut, um, I think we'll know by the seventeenth of March, off the top of my head, um, whenever his roster bonus is due. But um, he, he's a goner for me. There's a chance they could keep him, but if if it was like five million on that final year, I think yeah, you'll probably keep him around. But nine point seven five, no, I'm good. That's crazy. Yeah, uh, no chance that Schwartz comes in and sees him and is like, yeah, you know, we could use him for this, and they, it's just too expensive, right? Yeah, and it's it's how you want to structure. If you wanted to structure a defense and we didn't have much in the way of corner and we were going to go with a three-safety base, then you could certainly go that route of pushing um, Delpit and Johnson up and having the deeper free safety. But at that level of money, it just doesn't make sense. You've got the three corners. And another thing to mention about bringing in a full-time slot, if they want to play a low more man this year, then one thing you need with man coverage is you need more depth because guys are going to get exhausted. It's not like you're playing zone when you can keep your energy levels really high. Um, and it's one of the reasons why you've only had teams like the Patriots and a couple of others have so much man. It's because they've got the depth to just keep rolling out corners because someone has to run a long route. They then need a breather and they can't be out there for the next snap because you see the wide receivers run off. If you're playing zone, it's fine. Well, hey, I don't have to run around. I'm a corner. I'm roughly in the same area. If you play man, you've got to go all the time. So having that extra corner and the slot can make a real difference to a, a man coverage team. Um, you mentioned this when we were doing the free agency exercise. Uh, yeah, I know. We need to get Jack to bed. I know. Uh, but uh, last question on this. Uh, any interest in dealing from a position of strength at corner 
to try and you know uh, procure a wide receiver that way or a weapon that way. Uh, like, what if they? I loved the idea of like, uh, you know, you maybe you part with Newsom and then spend a little bit more on like a Jonathan Jones who can actually play in the slot. Uh, you know, and outside, and then now you have him on, you know, you're not worrying about having to extend a Newsome or anything like that for a couple of years, and then, uh, you know, in return, take that trade capital and get yourself a wide receiver uh, like an Elijah Moore or somebody on a rookie deal for a couple of years. Yeah, it's it's got to be a premium player in return. I'm more interested in the player getting the proven asset so whether it's a, a wide receiver it could be an edge could be it could even be a dt but i'm looking for someone on a rookie contract because someone in sort of that same draft um is there someone maybe slightly later slightly earlier around there that is also good but not elite that the team was happy to move off and go actually we've got three edges we've only got one corner let's do a trade here so it's that kind of like how easy is it to replace somebody? Um, and it comes into what I discussed earlier. If you can get a great slot corner, and the thing about Newsom is he's just like average at best as a slot um, last season. We're not talking about like, he, if he was a top eight slot, I'm like, yeah, leave him in there. We'll work it out. Um, sod that he's unhappy. But it's not like we've got this great uh, slot corner. He, he's he's really better outside. Yeah, yeah, he's so, better outside. If I can get a starting edge, a starting DT, a starting wide receiver, let's do it. I drink cider, not coffee, fumble. And uh, I'll, I'll get there eventually, Paul. Misses on holiday, so it's, it's not like anyone's uh, chasing me. Uh, I saw that yawn, Jack, and that yawn uh, told me it's time to let you go, brother. I've kept you long enough. You have been fantastic, sir. Make sure you go follow uh, Jack Duffin on Twitter at Jack Duffin and all of his tremendous work at the OBR. Uh, it's rubbed off on me. Uh, I was, uh, you know, it was a pleasure to do the free agency pieces with you. It was so much fun, and I learned a ton. And uh, so, absolutely. Uh, you uh, are doing incredible work, uh, and it's a pleasure to work with you. So thanks for staying up late and uh, doing, uh, remember my taxes, uh, and doing uh, uh, the show with me. I know uh, we talked about pre-recording, but you sucked it up, did it live, and, and I'm sure everybody appreciates it, Jack. So thank you so much, brother. You're the best. Now it's been a blast. Um, really great having you on board with uh the OBR and as well we're already planning next season's yeah already year. planning uh, it we're out talking yep. about twice as big as it was this year and um, loads of great stuff in the pipeline so we're gonna go crazy next season yes absolutely uh love it and uh it's always a pleasure go go to bed amazing work get some rest sir you deserve it all right thanks jack Jack Duffin, uh, resident capologist at the OBR, doing tremendous work every day there. So, uh, Jack, doing us a, a wonderful uh, uh, pleasure staying up uh, till past 1 a.m. his time uh, to spend some time with us here. Uh, I will not keep you much longer, but real quickly, uh, let me see if I can locate it. Oh, there it is. All right. I have talked about the giveaway. I swear it's coming this week. We're going to give away this sweatshirt. Okay. It's going to read. So the call to action. So you're going to look for the tweet and it's going to say like, 
uh, you know, retweet this, uh, subscribe uh, to the channel on YouTube, and then tell a friend via DM or, or drop a, a friend's uh, handle below to get an entry right into the drawing. And then we will draw one that will get this OBR sweatshirt. My dime, my pleasure. I, I, I love you guys. I appreciate you guys. Take care of it for you. And then we're going to do also an uh, All Eyes on Cleveland t-shirt. It's a, it's a far, you know, the difference in, in the two products is it's quite far. I understand that, but uh, second place we'll get. Maybe we'll do like uh, uh, two of the T-shirts, so three people win. Depends on how many people do it. But the giveaway is coming. You can win the sweatshirt, which is like a forty-dollar amazing sweatshirt. I've got it right here. I showed it last time as well. Uh, as uh, Fumble said, he can't do white last time, but yeah, so uh, you, I'm in the little screen, but yeah, it's a nice sweatshirt. We all have them, we wear them, so uh, and then a couple of these All Eyes on Cleveland t shirts will give them away. So, look, this week, I promise, uh, retweet, like, do whatever you can do to uh, get your entry there, tell a friend, uh, but most likely, uh, uh, you will be able to, uh, you know, get your chance to win some free merch here. Uh, listen, I've enjoyed uh, this very... Oh, Red Leader. Sorry, that was you with the white. No white for Red Leader. I apologize. Thank you all for, uh, you know, coming an hour early this week uh, at 7 p.m. We'll be back to the regular 8 p.m. next Thursday with another tremendous guest. I uh, uh, apologize about the video not working earlier. I'll have to get that sorted out. Uh, but, uh, appreciate you guys, uh, um, listening and, uh, uh, that's going to be it for tonight. Uh, all eyes on Cleveland. My name is Brad Ward. Make sure you hit that like button on your way out. Just hit, hit it, you know, just to show Jack, you appreciate him staying up late. Uh, hit that like button and, uh, we're going to get out of here. Um, and I will see you next Thursday night with another edition of All Eyes on Cleveland. I appreciate you all, and I appreciate all your comments and chat. Uh, have a, a lovely weekend, uh, and uh, thanks for coming out. My name is Brad Ward for Jack Duffin and everybody at the OBR Blue Wire Podcast. We are out.